All right, week number six of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Going to do a different kind of show this week. I I, w- I am going to have to start out talking about the Alabama anti-choice ban. I've had a hard time talking about uh, choice, and I'll talk about that a little bit too. But then I've got an interview with Casey Armstrong, formerly of the Howard Stern Show. Howard's got a new book out called Howard Comes Again. I knew I couldn't get Howard, so I got who I could get. But he makes an interesting revelation, so stick around. Here we go. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the battle. Not the bullet. And a secret pursuit. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. All right. Yeah, I mean, Maya Angelou said it best. When people show you who they are, believe them. And for those of you who thought that there was some moderate middle ground in the Republican Party on choice, Alabama should be a major wake-up call, Susan Collins. Uh, We have an issue here. We have a state that has decided that if you're raped as a 10-year-old girl, you should spend more time in prison for ending the pregnancy that might come out of that rape than the guy who raped you. I mean, I don't know how they came up with 99 years, up to 99 years as punishment for terminating a pregnancy. I guess they thought, well... You know, if you're 10 years old and you have health care in prison, you could live to 110. But that's the law now in Alabama. I assume it's going to get struck down by the courts. I don't know if the Supreme Court will take it up because it's such an extreme law. I mean, it's so extreme that even Pat Robinson said it was a little bit too extreme. They don't even have exceptions for rape, incest, or the health of the mother. Now, America, look, I've struggled to talk about choice in my career because I grew up in an evangelical household and I have family members who uh, are very, very anti-choice and they have made that their crusade. And I don't think that that's their, that they're bad people for it. I think that they believe that it's murder. I I don't think abortion is something that we should celebrate in America. But I don't think it's something that the government should have any role in deciding. Especially in the first trimester 
or the first half of the pregnancy where what is growing inside you is not necessarily uh, something that's thinking and feeling. It's not at all, actually. I mean, you know, the first day, the Alabama bill, as I read it, you cannot have an abortion the day after you get pregnant, where it's a couple of cells growing inside your body. I don't know what right the state would have to get in involved in that situation. I don't know what the justification of that is. And you know what makes me even more mad? I know this has been talked about a lot. 25 old white guys in the Alabama State Senate voted on this, voted in favor of this. Not one woman, not one person of color, 25 old white guys. And America, we know that Alabama's last U.S. Senate election, well, maybe not its last one, but the one that elected Doug Jones over, I can't remember what the guy's name, the the guy who was into younger women, who, by the way, I hear is is trying to run for Senate again. Let him, let him come. Be great. But in that race, women of color made the difference. So I'm wondering what the Democratic Party is going to do in Alabama because it does seem to me that a Democrat can win in Alabama. Doug Jones won. He didn't run away from Democratic ideals. He ran against a flawed, a flawed opponent. Indeed, he did. But that should not be the only that's that should not be the only lesson taken from it. It, it is taken what should be taken is that proper organization on the ground in any state could, could lead to victories of any party. Whether you're a Democrat in Alabama or a Republican in California, it is a it, it's organization and proper candidate selection. But this bill is is an abomination. It's an abomination. But this is what they are. If there is a Republican out there that says they're anti-choice, hang this bill around their neck. Don't be shy about it. I mean, Democrats, you have this happen to you all the time. Everything Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has said has now become a litmus test for every Democrat running. And every Republican pundit in America has been holding every Democrat accountable for a first-year freshman house member, 29 years old, who has big ideas, yes, and there's nothing wrong with big ideas, America, nothing at all. But her ideas are not the only ideas in the party, and every member of the party shouldn't be held accountable to them, but the Republicans have done an excellent job of making sure that every single Democrat running for the set for the presidency of the United States, even people with with careers longer than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have been alive, are judged under the same microscope as she is. And her ideas are their ideas. So you know what? Hang that Alabama bill around the necks of every Republican running everywhere in this country, whether they are from Alabama or California or Pennsylvania or Wisconsin or Michigan, or it doesn't matter. Make them own that bill or make them denounce that bill and tell us where they exactly stand on that issue. When? When is it okay? And I get it, America. This is a tough issue. I know we all have mixed feelings about it. I don't think it's a good thing for a woman to get an abortion. I don't think that at all. But I think the state should make it, it they should make it a tougher choice, not by making women have uh, ultrasounds 
or 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 things of that nature. No, waiting periods, making them watch ridiculous videos. No, I think they should make it a harder choice by making sure that the women know that if they carry that child to term, when that child is born, it will have access to quality health care, quality education, housing. There'll be opportunities for that child. Most women who make that painful choice to abort a pregnancy, they're not doing it because they're party women who are out there and you know something happened. They're doing it because they made a mistake. They're too young and they don't think that they could care for a child at this point in their life. And I've heard the argument, we'll put it up for adoption, a lot of people waiting. Well, that's not always easy either. Make the choice difficult by promising health care, by promising, by promising that the child is going to have an opportunity to thrive and live well. We don't do that in America. Alabama is a state with the, the highest rate of infant mortality. It is the highest rate of mothers dying during childbirth. The highest rate in the nation, Alabama. And now they've got a bill that even if the woman's life is in jeopardy, even in that situation, no abortion, 99 years in jail. In the state with the highest rate of mothers dying during childbirth. That's, you know, how about you work on that, Alabama, before you start going off the deep end with anti-choice bills? Why don't you work with that? Get that going. Figure that out. No, again, I don't think this is the greatest thing in the world, abortion. But I don't think the state has any role in it. I don't think the state should be playing any role in making that choice. It should be between a woman, her doctor, and her God. And that's it. It's not between the state of Alabama and a woman. It's between that woman, her doctor, and her God. So all those people out there talking about individual liberties, you know, all my libertarian friends, I was on Kennedy the other day and they like to talk about, you know, how Democrats are doing these things and personal liberties. Look, you want to talk about personal liberties, talk about Alabama, talk about that bill, talk about what's going on in the Republican party that is chasing away personal liberties because they want to pander to an extreme wing of their party. It's despicable. But Democrats, you better not spend one second thinking about this. Hang it around their necks. Make them wear it like a scarlet letter forever until it is gone. Think about what they've done with Bernie Sanders issues, with Elizabeth Warren issues, with AOC issues. Every Democrat has to answer for everything everything the Democrats do. Well, this is not just something one Democrat did. This is an entire state. This is the Alabama Republican Party. The governor signed it the next day. Hang it around their necks. All right, so this is going to be a tough transition, right? I didn't expect to be doing uh I didn't expect to be doing such a serious topic at the top of my show this week, but you know, this is what happens in the world of politics. You got to uh you got to roll with the punches. Uh if those of you who know me and have been listening to my radio show over the years, Know that I'm a huge Howard Stern fan. Um, I make no bones about it. I'm a progressive who loves Howard Stern. I grew up listening to him. I still listen to him. I think he, uh, I feel like I've grown up with him and his radio has evolved and grown up with me. 
like like it's ta- my tastes have evolved and the show has evolved. Uh, I think he's one of the greatest interviewers out there. He's got a new book out called Howard Comes Again. I bought it. I have it. I'm going to be reading it this weekend. I have not read it yet. Uh, I started thumbing through it and it looks great. Read a few passages for it. Uh, I happen to know Casey Armstrong. He lives in my community. He actually has a show on the station where I actually do my radio show uh, in New York. So I asked him to come on in and talk to me. And I told him I want to talk about you know, how he got there, why he left, and really also why he hasn't been back. Because there was a period of time between when he left and when he just disappeared from the Howard Stern show where he would call in occasionally. Every couple of months, you'd hear from Casey, find out what he's doing, and then it stopped. So listen to this interview. He tells about why that happened. Keep it here. I'll be right back. So... One of my favorite people on the planet is Howard Stern. Everybody knows that who listens to this show. Guy who used to be one of Howard's favorite guys. Worked for him for many years. I felt like I knew him before I met him because I've been involved with his life since, I don't know, he started working there. (laughs) Casey Armstrong uh, precedes me on my flagship station, LI News Radio on Long Island. He's on right before I come on the air, and he's in the studio with me now. Casey, how you doing? Dude, I I love when I hear you on the air because you lambast a bunch of uh people who call in um if that's if that's the word i don't know but you, but you brutalize them i mean uh, <laughs> there, no one can have an argument with you because you win every time well i mean look i get beat up on fox all day right because they, they they put me in the <laughs> ring with like seven conservatives and i'm only one person talking sense so when i'm on my own air i ain't taking that nonsense they think everybody thinks they're sean hannity when they call this show no 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 sorry I, when i go on the sean hannity show it's the sean hannity show when he talks i stop talking when you come on my show when i start talking you stop talking. It, it's so entertaining, man. I, I, I love, I mean, you're one of my favorites on his, I, on his I, station. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So Howard's got a new book out. I tried to get Howard. I knew I wasn't going to get him. So, you know, I figured, let me, who do I know? It's the Stern Universe. I, Casey's in the studio right before me. Let me see if he wants to come on. Yeah, I, why not? I don't think that you've had a conversation in the last, I don't know when the last time you were on Howard. I mean, it was probably like seven years ago you stopped. Yeah. You, you, I, used, to, you used to call in from when you were living in California. You'd call in. Yeah, and, and each one more uh, more disturbing than the next. I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was rough times out there. Yeah, man. and I think, that, I think that there's a lot of people out there that want to know where you've been, how you're doing, you know, the rise, the fall, how you feel about it. I know this is tough for you to talk about. No, it's, it's cool. It's you, totally you know, cool, man. Uh, so I just want to start. Like, let's just start. Like, you and I both grew up on Long Island. You grew up in Port Jeff. Right. I grew up in Center Reach. We're, you know, basically neighbors. Or mm-hmm. I think we're the same age. I'm 47. I think you're 47, right? Uh, 43. 43? But I, Are you I, lying about your age? Uh, <laughs> I'm born in 75. Maybe I am. No, you're not lying about your age. You're Am 43. Right? If you were 75, you're 43. Dave, He's checking with his hey, sister. Do, do, no, no. Do you, do, you, um, do you screw with the people that, that uh, just land here at, at the airport? I get a lot of people waving at me i wave back i'm not like you know i'm not like one of those guys who's gotta be focused dude you know? i i would love to, to go out there one day and just say hey are you a uh, democrat are you a republican <laughs> come on in get in here talk to this man no i don't 
Uh, so it's a, if I controlled my mics, I would, but it's, you know, people come in, they start talking. It's like, yeah, stop. You know? yeah, right. This is not for everybody. You know, as Howard Stern always said, this is not for everybody. Right. Not everybody could do this. Right. So yeah. I think I could do this. I have some people on that can do it. So we're well, so very good at it, man. I appreciate it. And coming from a guy who worked for, you know, really the guy who's the, the master of this whole this I got to watch genre. him every day. You so. watch the King at work basically. Yeah. And, and, it, and it is, I just got his book in the mail. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Uh, but I plan on reading it this weekend. Uh, I've read all of his books. I've listened to him for years. He's, you know, he's really why I wanted to be in radio. Really? So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and I, and I didn't get into radio till later in life. I'd done a lot of radio interviews for people, but I hadn't done my own show till five years ago when I came here. So we'll, we'll go back and tell me why you wanted to do what you're doing now. I, because I grew up listening to Howard Stern and then I commuted for years listening to Howard Stern and, and when from he went Center to Sirius yeah, from Center Reach from, from Setauket now into Manhattan okay. you know and, and and having Howard with me made it you know doable Yeah, and it, it seemed like a lot of fun and, and honestly I do a lot of TV now this is more fun and it's because I could you know have real conversations with people I have 20 minute blocks not 4 minute blocks like mm-hmm. I'm on TV so it's it's good stuff so let's talk about it but but they'll put you on TV I've seen that you, they put you on TV and they put you in with uh, a bunch of Republicans Yeah, they put you in with like 4 or 5 Republicans they'll put me in with ju- like the you. former press secretary the president of the United States <laughs> uh, the former secretary of state and then me but you like hold your own. Some guy was an aide to Senator Schumer for six years of his life. And, you know, that was like 10 years ago now. So, but people still let me do it. So, all right. This isn't about me. This is about you. Okay. Nobody cares about me. They, they, they hear me. I I'll talk about, about me all the time. I'll come on your show. I'll talk about me. All right. All right. All right. I want to talk about you tonight. Okay. I want to talk about how you wound up there, how you wound up leaving there. And, you know, what you've been doing. So let's talk about from the beginning. How'd you wind up at Stern? Sure. Yeah. So I, I played football at Western Kentucky uh, for Jack Harbaugh. Remember him, the yep, yep. Uh, John Harbaugh. He was the quarterback. Yeah, his, yeah. his old man was uh, the quarterback's coach, so he coached me. And every day, were you a quarterback? Yeah. Okay. We, we had the option. I mean, so, right. You know, I'm, I'm, I played football at the University of Albany. I was a kicker, but you know. So, so um, who did you play? Uh, was with Bob others? Ford was my coach. No, no. Uh, you know, other schools, uh, SUNY schools. Or? Well, no, no. We were so we were transitioning. To Division One while I was there. My last year we were Division One, so okay. we played Army, we played Columbia, nice. and then we played like Ithaca and Cornell and, and bigger D three schools, Hofstra before they went Division One, and then they they collapsed. Wow. So, yeah. so, so did you play? Um, uh, what's the one? Stony Brook. Did you play them? We they play them now. We didn't play them when I was there. I would have loved that. You would have killed them. Yeah, back then they were like a low Division three school. Now they're a Division one. Now they're in the same conference. The two right, right, yeah, right. It's great, great rivalry now. Yeah. So, um, so can you still? Uh, all right. This keep, is about you. You're avoiding the conversation. Right, right, right. Let's talk about right, how so, you right. got there. Yeah. So, so stop, you know, stop taking sorry, me off track. Sorry, here. man. So, <laughs> so I used to, um, I did a, a radio show in school, and I used to send my tape every day into Gary. Bobby right. Bowie, right? Yep. Every day I would send him uh, the latest show, and uh, you know I was like stalking him pretty much every right. day. I would send right. it in. Finally, he uh, he got back to me. He liked the singing psychic. I don't know if you remember that guest. Yep. I used to yell at her all the time, yep. and um, that got my foot in the door. And then I got an internship. So that's how it's that's how it started. The singing psychic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Remember, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So turn, you, turn it up. Turn the music up, friend. <laughs> right. So you got your foot in the door as an intern, and they liked you because you were a pretty boy. I mean, I remember that. The one thing I remember about you is that you were a good-looking guy, <laughs> and you had some like 
guy making you take your <laughs> yeah yeah that did the poster <laughs> the whole thing I mean you know you're not you're still okay you're not you're not, you're not, you're not I don't know no, that, I'm, not, I'm not 20 anymore I don't know that Richard Christie's writing songs about you anymore yeah but, you know. yeah I know really <laughs> but uh yeah yeah I mean uh, it was different because I sent uh. My uh, my headshot in for the job, and the the headshot was uh, you know half like shirtless. And, right, 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 right. And uh, I guess they were making fun of me because they said that's what got me in there. But once I got there, man, I uh, every day I would write a different bit, like a different uh, D joke or um, you know a P joke. You know, right, right, I mean? right, 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 right. And and that's what got me invited to the writing meeting. And that right there, my man, that was uh, something. I was not ready for it because I saw Jackie would say something, right? And then Fred would say something, and Howard was sitting over there. And I was like, uh, "I, I'm gonna just, you know, I, I don't want right, to say anything right, here because right, right. I'm, I'm these are, these guys uh, are people They're that pros, I, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I went back to school because I had to play the fifth season, and uh, I rented a computer. And every day, I didn't go to my classes. Well, I, I went, but when I went to the classes, I was writing those jokes again. And they were using my stuff on the air. That's great. So as soon as that season was over, they said, Case, um, come down here. Howard wants to talk to you. So I drove from Kentucky and uh, met with him. And he said, how, how fast can you get here? I mean, how fast can you leave there and, and, uh, and start working here full time? And I said, uh, okay, just give me two days. I got to get back. Wow. It's 15 hours. I'll be, I'll be right back here. And so that's where it started. And uh, uh, You dropped out of college. Well, I, I, they later uh, finagled something where I got a degree. That's good. Uh, Masscom instead of radio, TV. Right, right, right. So they finagled because I had enough credits What well, better that. place to learn about radio and communications than the Howard Stern Show, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say Western Kentucky. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you went from Western Kentucky to basically the center of the radio universe. Yeah, which, but, but if, if anyone's listening and uh, take anything from this, if you want something, you know, don't let anybody say no. Right. You know, just keep going. That's that's. I'm sure that's how you got to be who you keep, are. I just keep pushing. You man. just keep pushing, yeah. right? Yeah. Never, you never say. Never oh, stop. Okay, you said no. Okay, so I'll yeah. leave you alone. Nobody. Uh, you know, I got my job with Chuck Schumer by calling the same person every day for three months until I got an interview. Right. I mean, I mean, Polly Trottenberg, Commissioner of Transportation, New York City now, and would have been the Secretary of Transportation had Clinton won. I called her every day for three months till till she got me in to get an interview. And, and and what did what did you think then when you got that job? Did you think that that would that would be everything that no you, no no? At first, I was surprised how little I made. I had to take a pay cut to take the job, and uh, but I I was shocked that they hired me. And just like you, the first time I was in the meeting with the senator, yeah, and he was listening to things I said, and then set, going out and saying something I wrote. I was blown away by right, it. Like right. I was on the floor that a United States senator was taking my words and making them his own. And I felt so proud about that. But I said, okay, I can't live on this salary. So I'm going to work here and then I'm going to see what I could do next. And I was an attorney, you know, so it was, you know, really when you're an attorney and you got big law school debts and fortunately the U.S. Senate helps you with your student loans when you're working there. Yeah, Chris, but, but did, did it show you that, hey, I, I, am, I am that talented that I can do this? I made it to the big leagues. I knew I was in the big leagues when I started working for Senator Schumer and I was in meetings with the senator, with cabinet secretaries, president once. And, you know, it, it's like, wow, I've arrived. What am I doing here? Right. Uh -huh. it, you get that feeling like I don't belong here. Like somebody's going to kick me out. And uh -huh. after a while, that fades because you're doing the job and you're doing it well and you figure it out. But looking back, you see, yeah, right. I, I, they needed me. Looking and back, 
they say that you know even still you know they i still talk to his people i you know i i it's 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 fantastic it was a great greatest experience in my life i'd still be working there today i had so much fun working there wow. had i had i been able to afford working there okay so but uh, so let's talk more about you. So you so you there. How many years were you there? So I was there for I think eight or nine years. Eight or nine years, and during that time, you developed a, a drug habit. I would say, right? Yeah. Well, drinking drugs. Yeah, that, that it kind of came at the end, and I, I I tried to hold it together for the longest that I could. But after a while, you know, you start to unravel, right? And you, you don't, why? Why do you think you did that? Um, was it the pressure of working in that big league, or was it? It was it, when when you're depressed. Uh, I say it in the book, and in, in my book, it, it's like depression and desperation will make you throw yourself away. Right. It, 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 you start every sentence with "Remember when?" Right. Um, you don't care about what the future brings. You don't care about the blessings that you have. It's just. Remember not where you want to be and right. you can't think of where you want to be so that makes it that much what harder. were you thinking about remembering when though because here you are you know this is for the stern fan you're there you're yeah. like you're with howard you know you got a different celebrity coming in every day seems like a party mm-hmm. you know and he seems like a good guy to work for even yeah. though he's crazy on the air i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure when he's off the air he's not like that to his to his co-workers mm-hmm. but where where did you where would you have rather been back in college why? I mean, I because get it. You were the superstar. You were the quarterback. You know, it was, you know, different different being the quarterback than being the place kicker. But I still had a lot of fun. <laughs> no, but <laughs> you know, college. what is it like? I, I don't know what it's like to win a game. I mean, with with one second left. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that happened to you. I, I, it did. And it, it's it's uh, it taught me everything I needed to know about being under pressure. Right. I mean, people are going to like you or they're going to hate you. On it taught, one- taught me how to drown everything out. And and the worst thing you could do if I'm I'm a very competitive person, okay, extremely competitive. I mean, I I was a county champion fencer. I played baseball and hockey. I uh, you know, but I wound up going to college to kick field goals. And I only started playing football my senior year of high school. I was a soccer player, and I started playing my senior year. I went. I'm very competitive. That what kicking field goals taught me was to block everything out except for what my target was. Be mentally tough. Yeah, it made a mental toughness out of me. Now to this day. If you're competing against me, do not try to put the pressure on me. Because if you put the pressure on me, I'm going to beat you. Right. If you make it seem like it's no big deal, I might drift off. But if you start putting pressure on me, even like I'm bowling, I'm playing table tennis or regular tennis or you know golf, don't even try to intimidate me that way. That will get me to win, right? Mm-hmm. It just makes well, me, that's, puts that, me back that, in that's that a, field. That's a champion. And talking. I loved playing football. Mm-hmm. And I loved my college years. But I've loved my career more, you know, I mean, you know, and, and you were at college and yes, you were a superstar. And then you go to work for a superstar, a real superstar, right? Mm-hmm. Not just a locally famous superstar like you were when you were in college right, we were right. in college. Yeah, yeah. And it's 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 different. I get it. You're not you're not in the center of it. Is that what made you turn to drugs, though? Um, it, it was it, it was always, uh, you know, early on, I, I always had uh you know, a couple of screws loose, as they say. Yeah, yeah. So it, it you know, take a few uh, too many hits. When yeah, you're in college. Well, I was just going to say yeah. that. I mean, I, you know, I've had probably you know close to ten concussions. Wow. And it's it's I, I know uh, my uh, my assistant is here now, and and people who work for me, it's frustrating because they say something and they say that I repeat myself a couple yeah. times. Uh, and I'm 43, and, and uh, right. uh, I can only imagine what it's like to play. I mean, we you know we ran the option, so you're going to get tackled. Every, yeah, you every, get hit a lot in the option. But they used to tell us, uh, I don't know about you, but when we were young, they said, 
you lead with your head. Yeah. Shake it off. You put your head down and and that's how you tackle. Yeah. Um, But I made nine tackles my entire collegiate career. Okay. And, they were all basically me throwing my body in front of somebody and then tripping over me. <laughs> but but save, saving a touchdown, yeah, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I tried to tackle Wayne Corbett in college. No way. Yeah, we played against Wayne Corbett, and he ran over me like a like I wasn't even there, and he was a little guy. How I'm fast? Like, very fast, very strong. He didn't even try to avoid me. <laughs> he just ran over me. Okay? So let's just be clear. Wow. And he was he was small. I don't even think he was taller than me. I'm not that tall. I'm 5'10". He, 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 I think he was like 5'8". Yeah. And he just he ran over me like I wasn't even there. Now, I, I made tackles with bigger guys. And, and I'm like, oh, this little guy. I'm just gonna, I'm, you know, you're a kicker. You're hanging back. You got the angle on him. I've got the angle. I'm going to get him. So you're trying to take out the legs? What are you trying to I'm do? I'm just getting it. I'm breaking down. Okay. Uh, you know, I knew how to. I knew how to make a tackle. I'm breaking down, and he just juked you. No, he ran. Oh, he ran over me. you. <laughs> he ran right through me, like I wow. was, like I was part of the field. Wow. Dude. I didn't get a concussion, you know, and it was on turf. But it, I, uh, but it was. Uh, I get it. I get it. So, so you had this, and you had you know, it. Kind of, you were predisposed, is what you're saying. Yeah. I, and it. the weirdest thing was, you know, I, I would uh, we we ran the option. Willie Taggart, who's now the uh, the head coach at Florida State, I believe. He was um, he was in front of me uh, for a couple of years. He was my my roommate on the road, and um, I used to ask him like when we get hit because he was real tall and skinny, and I I, I guess I was uh, I was a a gym rat, you know, and I, every time I would throw, I'd get tendonitis in my elbow right, because right. I'd be doing probably not the best thing because quarterbacks should be lean; they shouldn't be. Uh, you know, uh, stocky, right, but right, built, yeah, yeah. But um, every time I get hit, I uh, would get deja vu, mm. and that's not the way no. it's supposed to be. No, no, it was really weird. I was like, "This has happened." How many before. you played for? You played all through high school, five years, and five years a couple, four years of competitive, and one year redshirt, right? Well, yeah, but you're still playing, but you're, right. just, you're not in the game, right? So yeah, it was that, and then you know, I, I'd fight at the drop of a hat, and then wrestling. So uh, you know, being a dumb kid. Uh, it's it's gonna it's right. gonna uh, catches up to you. Yeah, yeah. That's that's you. You just said it. Right. Basically, yeah. So basically, it caught up to you. Now you're 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 at the center of the universe. You're you're in Manhattan. You're living in Manhattan. I assume. Right. Yeah. And you're hanging out. I mean, you you know, you're hanging out with celebrities, and there probably were a lot of bad influences around. I mean, Artie Lang. We talked about him in the, in the green before we came on. I, I love him. Man. <laughs> I love him too, he, he man. Was, he was probably my best friend there. We used to go as soon as Jackie left. There were people that would come into the Jackie chair. Uh, Jim Florentine, who was a friend of mine, yeah, and we we used to. He taught me a lot about stand up, and then Artie, had Jim on the show. Oh, you did? I have, yeah. Great guy, right? Yeah, very. Why, good. why, why, why would you do that? Come right, right. On. He was yeah. playing uh, across the street. I called him up. I said, "Can you come on the air?" And he did. Great, great. Yeah, he's a great dude. Yeah, and um, uh, so so Bob Levy and uh, and Artie. Now Artie, uh, I used to take to Belmont every Friday. We would get off. Um, we would leave at one thirty, which I would usually be there till four thirty, five thirty. But on Friday, we'd leave early at one thirty. They'd have this twilight racing at three o'clock, so we'd get there at three o'clock, and it was so funny because Artie would have a pretzel right after the first race, hot dog after the second, <laughs> hamburger the third. Oh my god! Uh, he'd finish the bottle of Jack on the fourth, oh. and then. Uh, sausage and peppers. I mean, it would just go the whole day. It was just like a food and drink orgy. And I loved it because he was such a great guy. So fun to hang out with. Yeah. He's like, I think I got a hundred to win on the two case. I don't know. Can you check my tickets? I don't know. And, uh, we, one time we, (laughs) one time 
it was getting dark, and uh, he had this Mercedes. Yeah, and it was a nice one convertible, and it was freezing. I used to see him at the Yankee game. We used to park in the same lot. Okay, there was this little special lot behind the bleachers. I would park there. He would park there. I would see him at the end of the game almost every game I went to. And and he was he was uh, he was hurting probably. Yeah, hurting and getting in his car and going. Yeah, his and, Mercedes. Yeah, and it was so cold that he would put the heat on. Case, okay, don't worry, the heat's coming on. You'll be fine. And you know what? <laughs> we were fine. Um, but uh, man, those are some of the days that I'll always remember. Some of the best days uh, to be there with uh, such a good friend and. Yeah. You know, the, the, here's the thing. Uh, here's the power of Howard back then. I don't know about now, but back then, uh, Artie came from the Norm Show, which was on yeah. ABC, ABC, I believe. It was a network sitcom. And I came from Howard's e-show. And in uh, Belmont, you know, there'd be like 10 people. Hey, Case, what are you betting on? What are you doing? And right. Then, I'd be standing next to Artie. They didn't even know who Artie was. Right. So, So the power of Howard... Huge was huge, absolutely huge, and that's what you're talking about. Yeah, when you when you were especially here on Long Island. Yeah. I mean, it's you know you know one out of every four cars on the expressway they say are listening to Howard Stern. What about now? I mean, what, I would think still. I would think still. He's huge now. Still, I think I think he's better now. Will you pay Frank, for radio? I, I yeah, I pay for it. You I, do. I pay. I'm I'm a serious subscriber. I shouldn't be saying that on my over the air. Well, uh, you just you know you're but, just being real, man. It's yeah, just, I mean know. it's it's honesty. All right, wait. Hold that thought. We're going to come back with you. We're going to come back with you. All right. Stay right there. We'll be right back with more from Casey Armstrong. All right, I'm going back to my interview here with Casey Armstrong, formerly of the Howard Stern Show, now doing his own thing. You got your own kind of radio network going on. Yeah. I want to talk about you leaving, mm-hmm. why you left originally. I know you left after the, you know you had that intervention, you were having drug issues, you want to recover. Yeah. You left, you moved out to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were selling sauce with, uh, what's his name? <laughs> or my favorite sauce, Johnny Frado. Johnny Frado, yeah. yeah. And Eric the Midget and the whole thing. Wow. Eric the Actor. I'm not yeah, allowed to call that. That, that brings me back, man. Uh, you know, say what you want about Johnny Diamonds, but uh, he was he was great. And, and you know, uh, people said uh, he was a uh, he was a connected guy, and you know you were a criminal. No, no, he, he was the son of a he connected was, yeah, guy. Basically, he was the son of that, and, and yeah, you know he was always looking for the next, the next, uh, next thing, the next thing. And do you ever see a Bronx? Is it a Bronx Tale? No, 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 Johnny Brasco. You ever, you I have that? a long time ago. Okay, that scene where Pacino is banging a uh, a. Uh, one of those quarter, um, the street meters, yep. the quarters, and he's trying to get the quarters out. That right there is what that life is. That's it. I mean, you, you right. something like that. You got to pull in something every day, right? And, and if it's doing that for you, know, what are you gonna make? A couple hundred dollars, right? That's what it is, right? 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 So, so it's not a glamorous life, right? 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 So, so you leave. You go to California. You're still checking in. Right, we yeah. still have you check. Like, what you left? Did they kick you out or did you leave? I got fired because I was supposed to go to these um, these uh, substance abuse um, classes, and basically it was, it was rehab. And right. I went. I was doing well, and then I went to a gig in Boston with Miss Howard Stern, and 
it was the first time. Andrea. Yeah. She was Miss Howard Stern for like 20 years. Right, right, right. (laughs) It was the first time I was going to be on stage sober. Right. So... Yeah, it was it was kind of strange. And she was not sober, that woman. Not no, at all. No, no, no. She and, dug you too. I remember that that whole thing. Yeah, and I, and you know, back then I was like, you know, she's. I, I guess I had my wits about me. I'm like, you know, that would be mean to be with someone like that because she's not right, really right. She doesn't really know her emotions right, yeah. very much. She was she but, was a child basically. But when you're mind. sober for uh, a little while and then you go out and you do a gig and things happen and then you end up. Spending the weekend with this girl and uh, yeah, you know, we um, you you kind of went on a bender. Yeah, yeah. And I leaving didn't, Las I did, Vegas, right? I mean, exactly. I did. Yeah. I didn't show up uh, Monday for for uh, rehab. Uh, Tom called me as soon as I got back and he said, "Look, man, we gave you a chance and we got to say goodbye." Right. It's an HR thing too, right? It's a yeah. liability issue. They can't yeah. keep you there, but you still were checking in. Like they cared about you. You were still kind of part of the the cast of characters around the Stern show. They didn't want to see me go. They 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 felt bad because they knew from day one when I opened my mouth that I had problems and they wanted to the best for me. So when right. I went out to California, I would call them when I had something to promote. And, right. and that would that would get me uh off the streets for, you know, uh a week or two. Because it would it would pay, you know, fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars or something right. like that, you know, just to, to find something and to hustle and, and, and to get So that. when you went out to California you were using still, basically. You yeah, were still I mean, having I was, problems. I, I actually I was I was sober for about four months and I figured it was the worst four months ever. Uh, and then I went back and they told me, said, you know, you don't have a drinking or a drug problem. You're just really, really depressed. And I said, you're that's self-medicating. A, yeah. That doesn't sound, uh, that sounds too easy. And, um, you know, that's the thing, man. Like it's, it's the, the person is the last person to know when you really have a problem. You know what I mean? Um, like you, your friends can tell you, say, Hey man, we we can talk. Um, there's probably something we should talk about and you don't know it because you think that you're fine. Right. Especially at that intervention you talked about. Right. And I said, Hey, any of you guys ever see me drunk and they couldn't raise their hand, but then this is funny. This is when Artie started yelling at me. Yeah. Artie. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I ran into a WABC studios. I was like, what is wrong with you? And like the guy's the same age as me. He looks like my grandfather. It is a, it's the same. It's a shame because he's a talent. Oh my God. It's absolute talent. And I don't want to lose the guy. And I think he's in rehab again for like the 20th time. And I hope it it takes, you know, it's, it's sad. So, so you you, you but had, you, but you said he had no business being at my intervention, right? He and I, and he tells the great joke. That it was a great joke because he's such a talent. He goes, "It's the first intervention I've ever been to. We had to wait for the guy to come back from the gym." <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. It was true. It, it is true. true. Like you were like you were like in great physical shape, and yet you're depressed. And that's funny because like for me. I'm a runner. I mean, I, I, you're, you're more into weights. I'm a runner. I run every single day, and nothing makes me feel better than a run. Really? I come back. I feel great. I can take on the world. How after. much are you running? I run every single day. I run about five. I average five and a half miles a day, but some days I'll do you know four miles, and on the weekends I like to go out and do 10 to 15 miles wow. on, at a shot, right, on one on one of the days on the weekend, usually on Saturdays. I usually plan it for Saturdays just in case it rains, and I could do it on Sunday. Okay, so, wow, man. So it's a uh, – but I run every day. I'm on 136 days. Today is 136 day in a row that I've run. Dude. So and I and I ran seventy eight days straight and then lost four days because I got the flu right at Christmas time. Wow, that's so awesome! I run man. every day since New Year's Eve, but it's uh, so it's a but 
but this isn't about me. It's about you, Casey. Yeah, but, but <laughs> you, you were leading up to, because Artie uh, had this awesome joke, and I'm not going to do his act, man, because yeah. you know, I would never do it. But, but uh, somebody, uh, I guess he went to get a trainer uh, when he was in rehab, uh, and the trainer said, have you ever run before and get a runner's high? And uh, and Artie said, "No, I haven't." So, so, so I, I, like I said, I'm not doing his act. But uh, he said uh, the, the moral of the story is he went home and he started running and he started to call this guy up and said, "Hey, um, when is this high supposed to kick in?" And the, and, and the guy said, "But well, you don't feel it already." And and Artie says, "Have you have you ever done heroin?" <laughs> and, the, and the guy says, "No." He goes, well, "You might want to try it. This is not the same thing." You know, yeah, but then, I, I, I'm but, butchering but his thing. You were like a workout guy, yeah. but then like usually people who work out got that feeling unless you're hurt physically hurt you know like you have that good those those good endorphins running through you all day after a workout yeah but you know what i, I think steroids have a lot to do with that and right i, I think depression has yep. a lot to do with that I, I don't think you feel that stuff anymore yeah i think the you feel that you can i guess i'm yourself. lucky <laughs> no no you're in you're, you're in great shape and, right and, and you know but that's that's the way it's supposed to be but you know, I, I was doing it for the for the the wrong reason. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not playing uh, collegiate football anymore. I, there's no need for me to be in that type of shape to to be you know eight percent body fat. Right. There's no need except for an ego. So so you're fired for the HR reasons for the drug abuse and missing your rehab assignment. Right. You're still hanging out with the show though. You're still calling in every now and then. You pop in the studio. Why did that end? Like, this is something that I don't think you've ever talked about. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think this is what I really want to get to. Like, why did that end? That's a good question. Uh, the last thing, I, I, I know I had let them down so many times where I said I would be somewhere and I wasn't just because of the addiction and all that yep. stuff. But there was a time where I think that they, it was around the birthday show, his 60th, maybe? The big one he did in Manhattan? The big one, yeah. yeah. And, and I got to be honest, uh, I called up, and I hope this doesn't offend anyone. Super Bowl week. <laughs> but but I called up, and I said, hey, Gary, uh, I'm looking for a couple of those tickets. And between me and you, I was going to sell them. I wasn't going to go. Wow. That's how, but yeah, I was. You I were was, still was even the then. That was only like six years ago, right? Yeah. Not, not even five years ago. No, no, no. It was more than that. It was before I got my S together. Got it. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what I was thinking. I, I Because going back there, it kind of would admit that I couldn't. I couldn't. You couldn't hang anymore. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Couldn't so, hang in the bigs. Right. Right. So, so I, I figured I'd just make a couple bucks and then I, I'd move on and you know, oh, go man. on with my degenerate life. That's sad. But, but they said, hey, Gary said, you know, Case, it's a tough ticket. Uh, so that, so they said no. But apparently they said no to everybody. Um, you know, like uh, everybody who was around the time of, of me. But at the same time, Howard always says nice things about me. Yeah. I say nice things about him in my book. Um, I'll never say anything bad about him. But I I can understand. I mean, there's there's a time where you gotta you gotta cut. Yeah, you, right. You, so you, they you, cut with you. You felt like they were cutting with you, and you're like, I'm not gonna beg for this anymore. Right. And you right. haven't tried to be in touch with them since, or? Well, actually, I I, I apologize to, to Gary because Gary was the one of the best boss besides um, Tom Rogers at Max Muscle in California. Gary was one of the best bosses I've ever had, and he was the type of boss that. You wanted to work for. You wanted yeah. to please, and I let him down big time, and um, I, I made him look bad. So uh, that that made me want to uh, apologize and said, "Gary, I'm so sorry, man." Right. I, I, I you know, now in my old age, I, I see what I did. You're not that old, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I see what I did, and uh, you know, I'm very sorry. 
Um, I hope one day you'll find it in your heart to forgive me. I I tried my best. I did the best that I could. Right. And you had a problem. I, I believe that. You had a problem. Yeah. Right. You had a, it's a, it's a disease, right? I mean, we know, I have a brother who has addiction problems and I talk about sometimes on the air mm-hmm. and it's, it's a struggle. It's a daily struggle for him, you yeah. know, and, and I, and it's not, you know, I always say that, uh, you know, you have to constantly be on guard. It's always hanging out there in the background. I, I actually compare racism in America to drug addiction. Everybody thinks that we're done with racism in this country, but racism is not like a broken bone that you put a cast on and, and heals. Mm-hmm. Racism is like a drug addiction where it's always there. Maybe you've got it under control now, but it's just beneath the surface that's a, and you've that's, that's got pretty, to that's... take care. you got to be on guard because if you're not on guard, it's going to creep right back in. And we see that happening now. I know bright. you don't talk about Trump. That's pretty bright right I, there, yeah, man. I, I don't I know you don't talk about you know politics, so I won't go down that road. I'm just not I, smart enough to do it. Uh, you know, you know that's the problem. See, at least but you, you at would least, love my you would love my co-host. At, you at would least love you, at least you admit you're not smart enough to talk about it. Where I think there's 90 percent of the people talking about politics on the radio are not smart enough. Here, to talk it, about here it is, man. I, I, I mean, do you agree with 100 percent of what the Democrats believe? I know you don't. You, I don't. You, you don't. I mean, there's some things that you'll go back and forth yeah. with, right? So. So when someone is just so gung ho about uh, one way of believing something, it's a little it's bit fanaticism. Yeah. Fanaticism under any circumstance is always bad. It's always bad. Yeah. Where, you know whether it's religious fanaticism, whether it's political fanaticism. Anybody who is unbending doesn't want to hear the other view. That is how you you go down a path that is bad for whatever it is. It could be it could be an organization where you have people who are you know partners in a in a company, and if one person is just entrenched in a position where it's fanatic, and you where they believe the they're told side. by God to do it, right? Yep. They think that they're that this is some divine intervention into how they should be living their life. It's bad. Yeah. It's always bad. It always ends badly. And I think right now we have too many people, mostly on the right frankly, that are fanatics. Progressives, liberals have never been fanatics. They might be fanatic for a minute about one thing, but they're never fanatic about a person. Mm-hmm. And this cult of personality that's developed on the right in this country, like I said, I'm a big fan of Howard Stern. I don't agree with everything Howard Stern says. I think you, you, got a right. huge, you got a huge set of balls, which I love, because but, you come on this station and you're the only one that's articulate. You, you stand up for what you believe in and you put people... To shame when well, people call you well, and challenge the, it's you. It's the thing. Can I tell you? I'm like, you know, so we're, 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 we, it looks like we've got some syndication stuff in the works now, some real syndication. I got oh, them on it's a couple. It's going to happen. Right. And, and I, they keep saying, well, we'll find you on this liberal station here. I'm like, no. Put me on after Sean Hannity. I will hold his audience better than these jerks that come on and say the same thing in a different accent. You want you because you, you want a they reaction. Want, by the way, they want to you fight want with a reaction me. To Look, the conservatives want to fight with me, and I want to fight with them. Right? I they love to hate me. I'm conservative. Who doesn't want to hear that? I am conservative America's liberal cousin. And and they enjoy it. So I, I you know, I I look, every couple of years somebody approaches me with a syndication deal. Right now I got a real one. Yeah. And they and 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 we'll see if it actually works and out. There's gonna be a lot more of that coming from there because because you're a talented well, it's guy. It's politics and you, you time, man. Awesome, it's time dude. for it's time for a progressive to actually look. Your show's awesome. People ask me what it is, what's my show? It's a cross between Sean Hannity and Howard Stern, but the Sean Hannity is a liberal. But I, I, I take what I get from him. from you, And this is why I feel like I know you, right? I feel like you're part of my family. Just like I feel like everybody on that show is part of my... I mean, I've lived with them my entire life since I was... 
13 years old, driving 15 years old, driving whenever I got my license, 16, yeah. driving in my car to Center Reach High School, listening to Howard in the morning then. And then I listened to him in college and because he got a syndication deal in Albany. I met him when he ran for governor. I was student body president in Albany and I went to the press conference he had at the uh, I think it was the Polish American uh, Hall in Albany. I went there. I got a press pass. I sneaked the pe- a press pass. I went. I asked a question at a press conference. It was. It's on the. Re- whenever they used to, they used to replay the Howard Stern for Governor thing all the time. I'm in that show. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, you know, it, it's it's so. I but again, I would never like go to war for Howard Stern, right? Yeah. If Howard Stern, if I disagreed with something Howard Stern said, I disagree with Howard Stern. It wouldn't mean I hate Howard Stern. Right. Right, I wouldn't now disavow Howard Stern. I still love Howard Stern. Uh, there are people in this country who are fanatical about Donald Trump to the point where he could do no wrong, even when they know he's wrong. And these are people who used to be very critical of some things that this president does. You know, I mean, this is a guy who has five kids from three different women and basically admitted to raw dogging a porn star while his wife was giving birth. <laughs> And the evangelicals in this country are like, yeah, okay. Now, I look, I never want to judge a politician on their morality. Never. But I'm really upset that people who were judging people like Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, who was Mm -hmm. a very moral president, and and you're you're judging these people and casting doubt on these people. People like Jerry Falwell Jr., who's got a lot of explaining to do. Listen to my podcast, The Aggressive Progressive with Chris Hahn. When's that on? It's it's every Tuesday it comes out. Uh, It's on Revolver. But listen to that because I talk about Jerry Falwell Jr. this week. He... This is a guy who was in, who endorsed the president two weeks before the Iowa caucus, and now we find out that Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen had dirty pictures of Jerry Falwell Jr. He took care of him, but he held on to one of them. What, what, what do you mean dirty? What do you mean dirty pictures of Jerry Falwell Jr. with a woman who wasn't his wife? Oh, jeez, should be fun, right? I can't wait to see those. Well, I, let me take that back. I played. Liberty, I don't want to see university. Them. That's where the, that's where we're talking about liberty, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. That's that's a huge story. By the way, did you ever, when you worked for 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 uh, Howard, did you ever meet the president before he was president? Uh, yeah, he, yeah. He, he came was in, in all the time. Yeah, he came in. For, uh, I remember uh, uh, John's fight. Who um, I think I think John John uh, versus Cabby. Yeah, I, I think he's going to he's going to be calling into your show. I think I in the next couple of weeks. I think. Good. But um, yeah, when he was fighting uh, Cabby, he was there. It was it was at uh, Trump. It was down there in Atlantic. Uh, right. City. Yeah. It's Trump Casino. Yeah. You know, Holyfield was there. I will tell you this: I've met the president many times, mostly at liberal fundraisers. By the way, uh, once in the green room of Fox News, and he was nothing but nice to me. Yeah, I found him charming. I don't understand how he didn't take some of that charm and try to like make deals I, with people who don't agree with him. It just where we are at at this country right now with this man. He wasn't ready for this job, and he's not used to the criticism that comes with it. Do you think it would have been better the other way? Yeah. Do I think it would have been better if Hillary Clinton? Absolutely. Really? 100% better. We would have the same political fights we always have. We wouldn't have this existential threat to democracy. When Congress subpoenaed Hillary Clinton, she would fight it a little bit, but she wouldn't say, absolutely not. Congress has no right to investigate me. That's nonsense. We have checks and balances in this country. The Congress is supposed to oversee the president's operations. The, the, the founders were afraid of a president running wild, and that's why they gave Congress a lot of power to oversee the president. It's going to go to court, and Congress is going to win. It'll be a 9 nothing vote on the Supreme Court, even with his his, his appointments, I, unless they're completely ridiculous. And, so, and so, by the way, and by the way, if those justices don't vote for this, 
they are irrelevant. They've made con- they've made the Supreme Court irrelevant because if you're not going to be a proper check on the president, what's your purpose? Why are you even there? Okay, politics aside, uh, who who is the bigger liar? Is it uh, Trump or is it uh, Hillary? Trump. Yeah, Trump's a liar, absolute liar. Look, and Hillary's not president. She's not running for president. She's irrelevant to the conversation now. Okay, everything from here on forward is about is he fit? Got it. And he's not, in okay. my opinion. All right, Casey, this has been great. I got like 30 I love, seconds. I love hanging with you, man. I got 30 seconds to get you some plugs, man. Where do you, where, where do you want people to know hey, about you? Guys, uh, if uh, if you love my man right here, uh, Chris, you're going to love Darian Sneed. He's my co-host. Uh, he is a, um, a teacher from Virginia, and uh, he hates Trump. <laughs> uh, I, on the other hand, uh, see something good in everybody. So uh, we argue a lot, but uh, check us out from seven to eight on um, right here, right here, L- right before Li, me. Li News Radio, and it uh, follows right into Mr. Chris Hahn. There you go, Casey Armstrong. This has been great. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all you I do. I love you, man. I think I you do a you great too. job, and your show is awesome. Excellent. So that's Casey. Uh, interesting. I, I think that not many of us knew that's why he left originally. Uh, well, we knew he left because of drugs. We don't. Know, I didn't realize that. He wanted those tickets to the birthday show a couple years ago so we could sell them for drugs. Uh, it's sad. Uh, I'll be right back after this. Stick around. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. I know it wasn't the politics you're used to uh, from me every week, but uh, again, I'm influenced by Howard Stern. I couldn't get Howard Stern for this show. I'm not big enough yet. I'll be big enough soon, I hope. Uh, but I got the guy I could get and I thought it was a pretty interesting interview. Uh, people who fly that close to the sun have usually have a lot to say about what they saw there. And he did. I'm sure there's more to get to with him. Obviously, um, we'll figure out if we do that again sometime, but now I just got to remind you all to seek the truth, question everything and question everyone, even me. Seek the Truth America. I know it's out there. I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. I'm Chris Hahn. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests against stay-at-home orders around the country? It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers.